It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 87 237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I'm not going to get an hour of sleep tonight. The Crown Season 5 is out on Netflix. I think I'll be watching one after the other. You know when you start watching them, you just can't stop. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yes, and it's all about Diana and that time as well. I'm sure people will be just glued now. I know people who'll watch the whole thing through. They won't even go to bed. No, I'll have to catch a few hours of sleep because I need to be here with you tomorrow at half one. Welcome to the show. Lovely to have you with us. Great lineup and my first guest today. I am truly delighted to have her back with me on the show. She's been with me many times in the past, but COVID intervened. We spoke on the phone. She is formerly the founder of 11890, CEO of Cloud90, ex-president of the Irish Exporters Association, board member of the Children's Hospital Board up to 2017, and now chairperson of RiskEye. It's the wonderful Nicola Byrne. Hello again. Hi, Jerry. Good to be back. Oh, it's great to have you back I'm with really me. here. It's been a long time, hasn't it? I have missed you so much. Yeah. I've missed people. I've have missed you? everybody. Have you? Yeah. yeah. My life is alive because I'm back and I'm thrilled to be back. Oh. And I'm delighted to have you back with us on the show today. Well, since you've been here, there's been a lot of water under the bridge for you personally and professionally as well. 11890, uh, uh, you know, Cloud90, you, you were sort of tidy them up last summer. Was that it? Yeah. 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 We spent a bit of time just putting it to bed. After COVID, we, we tried our best and then realised that's just not the future anymore. Direct inquiries is dead. Uh, the internet took over and we had a really good run. Mm. And for a long time, you know, the world was kind of being ho- held together by it for us. So it was 16 years and it was a wonderful period in life. And, you know, the saddest thing is that I hadn't even noticed on the journey that people just didn't leave. So, you know, mm. when we got to the end of the journey, 80% of them had been there since day one. So it was fascinating to yes. to to see that people had just been there all the time and mm. you could rely on them. You just took them for granted. And it was actually wonderful because the end of near it's kind of a fresh start now. But it's it's fantastic to have had that journey in the safety of people who are like family. So what do you make of Twitter sending people a message and 15 minutes later they know they're in or out of a job? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, I think it's very cruel. I think it's a very wrong signal to be sending in this world. And I actually don't think this generation of kids are prepared for that. I don't think anybody's prepared for that. Like, I was laughing because 
I think in my earlier years, I worked for Gatto and Jacobs and Bank of Ireland and I went from one redundancy to another. Mm. And hilariously, I always got to work with the best in the business. But in those days, you were so thankful to have a job that you just took it as part of the course. Where now we've been in such a boom for so mm. long. We're so educated. These kids are so bright and these people have families and big commitments. I think they'll get another job. The only thing I'm saying is that while it is bad, thank God it's in Ireland where there's a very good chance that very quickly they'll be mm. sought. Mm. We're at full employment. We do not have uh, the resources in terms of more talent coming through. So this might just free up a bit of market yes, movement. Yes. It might also help people mm. like like uh, Risk Eye where, you know, <laughs> talent is very hard to come by. And if they throw a few out, they'd be very handy to pick up. <laughs> Silver lining always. Yeah. That's the, and, and thinking you, thinking outside the box. But it is a callous thing, isn't it? 15 minutes, no matter what way you say, it's no, tough it's on anybody. It is cruel. And I say that because I think of you and the longevity of your people and how hard it was on you. I can see it in you yeah. when it came to, to the end of, of the road. And... Um, Cloud ninety as well. You, you you drew the line there. You were the CEO of it. Risk guy. I want to I just let's come on to that while you mention it. The only security service for detecting online risk in real time, twenty four seven. That's yes. a hell of a strap line. I know, and it's the truth. Um, so software. Uh, you collect all the data. You bring it in, and every four thousand pieces of data you read. So every post one by one that you read at thirty seconds. When you've read four thousand at thirty seconds, you've taken thirty three hours of your life. 4,000 pieces of data. You think, oh, I'm reading thousands of posts every day. No, you aren't. Because if you were, you'd have spent 33 hours and you don't have 33 hours. So what we discovered is there's all this software pulling insights so you can buy all these fancy computer programs and it pulls in all this data and it pulls out magic words. The problem with that is you don't know which one is risk and which one isn't a risk. Mm. And then when it all does go wrong, how do you fix it? So risk guy is like a fire alarm, a fire brigade and a builder afterwards so it fixes it afterwards so it comes in and the insurance industry are working really closely with us because insurance only works for after the crash well if we can see the crash coming and if we can catch the car mid crash and if we can take it out of the skid and take it back onto the road then we save a fortune and people's reputations don't need to take a dive so there's an awful lot of people and an awful lot of big businesses across the state dying on a single tweet or a single Facebook rumour I know and it's all and it doesn't have to be true it's gone around the world and we're stopping that. And we're stopping it because we can see the, the the thing creeping and we can see it skidding. So it's fascinating work and so it's you're, risk. So you're way different to a firewall, McAfee, Norton, that type nothing of thing. To That's do with not, cyber. N- nothing to do with uh, that. No, we're looking for harm in words. Okay. So words, when I'm talking to you on yeah. radio, yes. um, you have 38% of my tone to communicate with. You have 7% what I say. And because you can see me, you've got my body language too. So you've got 55%. That's the full spectrum we have of communication. When we're on social media, it's down to 7%. So we have disguised intent. So everyone's trying to get their whole normal communication channel distilled into 7% to communicate with each other. Mm. We're all doing it by email. That's the worst way to communicate. And because phone gives us back 38% and if we get into a room, we get the full 100% back. We can read all the silent cues. Human beings are incredibly complex. Like if I don't speak, 93% of what I'm feeling and you can probably read by just looking at me. Yeah. And so that's the problem. If you can't see me, you can't feel me, you can hear V's voice up and down. Oh, it's terrible. And risk is coming in that sense. The beauty 7%. of this, isn't it? Yes. As you said at I the beginning. I can almost there. touch you. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, on a, on, a, on a Zoom where you can't see somebody or on no. a phone call, it, it's not. And, and to get that freeze on, it just doesn't happen. But, but here's the thing. I was just looking air one of my former employers, yes. uh, Aura, Leisure, yes. DCU are all people that you are working with. They love yes. you. They love what you do. And well, we love them 
because they allowed us when you're inventing something from nothing, as is always the case. And um, this is only 20 years old social media and it's come 4.9 billion people can output their thoughts all around the world instantly to the internet with no editor in front of them, no harness to pull them back if they're going to do something wrong. And there's real risk in there. So how does somebody know if it's a real customer service complaint or how does somebody know they're just being malicious? And what if they keep not being listened to? Well, maybe we don't need to fix the customer. Maybe we need to fix the client. So it's not a question of the customer's always right or the customer's always wrong. Is why is this risk happening and why does it keep going out of control and why are we everyone thinking we're really bad? So... They're a magnificent company. I mean, I cannot tell you how good they are. If they have a million customers and 500 of them take to Twitter all at the same time, that'll cause it to trend. But 500 customers complaining about normal day-to-day customer service just because you're doing it in public. You know, if Mm. you weren't doing it in public, nobody would know about it. But because it's on Twitter, suddenly it's trending and everyone's going, oh, it's terrible. But I cannot think of a bigger, better, more competent bunch of people that I work with in the state. In fact, most of our customers are just incredible. They're talented, they're bright, they're they're skilled. They do everything themselves. They're not interested in outsourcing. They face down the hard problems themselves. They don't bury problems. They're magnificent and they're breaking their asses. But the problem is 500 people doing customer service in full public view. Of course, it looks like a, mm. a storm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, they've got hammered, which they've, they've addressed and they've had yeah. to address it because they were being hammered for their customer service. And rightly so. People were a genuine. Well, things weren't working. Weren't working. Well, they're real. So yeah. they're real complaints. Yeah. But in the real world, where I'm talking about computer, air there, by the way, air of but, the companies but, we mentioned. Yeah. But they're, they're in the real world, real people have to fix them. It's yes. not press a button. It's not a game. You're not playing, you know, mm. you know, uh, free cell on your phone where you beat the computer. These are real people who have to go out and really put telephone lines in the ground. They really have to make, you know, wires add up. They really need to get the connection to your house. And yes, there was problems. They're not perfect. But any business under a microscope. So there's a father Ted clip that does near cow, far cow, you know, and Ted says to Dougal, uh, this is a small cow and he's holding up a toy cow and he's saying to Dougal, and the ones out in the field are far away. Well, the internet is the reverse of that. It takes a far away cow and it brings it into your lap and it sits it on your lap and as you take your telephone around the house, it's serving you, it's there, that big cow is there for your dinner and your tea. So what normally would be a tiny problem put back into perspective that cow is now huge and following you around the house and it's there when you go to the toilet and brush your teeth and it's there when you go out to work and it comes in the car with you because that cow is literally sitting on your telephone and every time you open it, the first thing in your screen is, oh, look at that bad person, look at that bad person. But if you put it out in the billions of pieces of information out there, if you put it back into perspective, so our job to cover risk is to put it into perspective first, mm. assess what needs to be done to fix it. It's not a question of... Um, oh, well, you know, just make that people stop tweeting. That's not how it works. Well, what have you talked to them? What have you rang them? What have you actually stood in front of them? Where's the fix? Or what if they're wrong? Maybe they're over anxious. And do you do the fix or is it back um, to the company to do the uh, fix? The company at the moment, well, it depends on the client. Okay. It depends on the client. So if it's something where we need to talk to a platform or drop a legal letter to a platform saying we've asked nicely, you've completely ignored us, would you mind, you know, a little bit of an elbow there. We do that. Um, In other cases, it requires education and training. You know, you can't speak to the client that way or the client can't speak to you that way. And if you tried being nice and a bit of mediation. So the skill set's vast and the solutions are vast because digital has rules. Nobody believes me, but it really does. Like Twitter has a set of rules. They're not enforced very often, but there is rules. Uh, There's laws of land, not enforced very often, but they are there. Mm. There's the law of the web. There's another overriding law that if you're going to get a www dot 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 whatever, um, there's a rule set. You're not allowed to do what you like. It's, you know, there is a terms and conditions. You can't be laundering money. You can't do this. You can't do the other. 
if you break a rule, and the rules sometimes you can find a way through and go, well, actually, it's breaking that rule. But you can say what you want. You said it a few moments ago there, out in that Wild West, billions and billions of people can say what they want. But there's consequences. That's good to hear because, so you know, if I say something wrong here today, yeah, consequences. Bye bye. Yeah, consequences. And that's what people, so when you're tweeting from your front room in front of your television, it looks consequence free. But when it goes wrong and you do get it wrong and people are getting hurt, the consequences become so vast and so life changing that you don't realise it because nobody's been enforcing it. And that's changing. That is changing. That, that is, is the message that changing. is really well, changing. Well, we're here and we're able to document. So yeah. we don't we don't sue anybody. We're not lawyers. We're not mm. solicitors. We're not involved in that. So if you want to go sue somebody, we give our paperwork to that solicitor and off they go. We document it. Let me ask you this. I, I often complain about this, that people are just totally wrapped up. And you say about this phone, there it is with me. It's blimmin' everywhere with me. I'm on it first thing in the morning, last thing at night. It's part of this job I do. I, I understand that. But is this it now forever for man and womankind? Is this? No. I think we're going to go full circle. Are we? I think we're going to start to be educated amongst each other. I think we're having difficulty exploring what's real and what isn't. I mean, I play a little game, you know, make people Google things on the Internet and they go, well, none of that's true. So the Internet and data and computers are agnostic to uh, to data. They don't know what's good or bad. Mm. They don't have any judgment. They don't understand risk. Um, so computers will never be able to take their binary choices and make it a robust solution. Yes. But people will. And people are tired. And I think this generation are scared. Like, I know my kids don't want to ring the Chinese. They go to Just Eat, plug for Just Eat. But they do go to Just Eat on the app mm. and they order because they refuse to talk to somebody because they're actually emotionally not geared for it. But I think that's going to change as we bring them out into the workforce, as the jobs change and as needs change and as real world eventually, we take them out of the cocoon of college. We're taking them out very late. You might might, not come out of college till 25. So they've been in sheltered, minded, loved Mm. in, educated. We have love bombed them with a lot of effort and they've worked really hard for us. But when they hit the real world at 25 and not 18 now, they're not, they're seven years short of that experience. So I think by the time this generation moves just a little bit further, yeah. they're going to start realising there's consequences. Yes, you can have cycle lanes, but yes, <laughs> then those million electric cars you're going to put in the road, they're still going to be stuck in traffic. I am heartened today. Nicola Burns sitting across the desk with me on late lunch and I am so happy today. Just before we move on, because I have another big topic to talk to you about, where is uh, the social media space going? People say Facebook is dead. I don't think so for a certain generation, to be honest with you. Twitter, Instagram, Tinder. TikTok is your big baby now. Where's this going? It's not dead. It's too big to be dead. Facebook's not dead. It's not dead. Nothing's dead. I mean, unless something, you know, really big catastrophe happens. These are very powerful. We've learned to communicate through them. We've got more uses out of them. And harm is only one aspect of them. But there's a lot of good that we're not seeing. A lot of people are making revenue. They're selling stuff. They're trading. They're bartering. They're seeing their community, seeing their family. It's a connection. It's not a substitute for real life but it's an additional tool. And I think we'll gradually learn the balance that these will become integrated in our life. I think at this moment in time, and I do suspect, there's more advertisers on Facebook than eyeballs to see it because mm. there's so much content being produced. Yes. And that's going to cause a realignment, which is, I think, what we're experiencing now. And that it's not even about fake news. It's just about there's only so many of us. Like, we're finite. The computer isn't, but we are. Mm. There's only 4.9 and we have to work. We're back to work. We're back participating. That you mentioned that and we were talking offline. We didn't see each other during the pandemic. We talked a couple of times, of course, by Zoom or phone or whatever. Did you find it tough? Oh, incredibly tough. Incredibly tough. And I'm not allowed to say this because it's the M word and every woman my age is basically out there saying menopause. But I've had a really rough five years. 
and I'm only getting through it now and I'm starting to feel old me come back and I wasn't warned and I was on the extreme end of it. And so menopause was incredibly tough in lockdown. But I was in a weird way pleased because I wouldn't have been able to work. Um, I'd have been out of the workforce if it was normal life. And so was the timing tough? of it, it was, was that, that tough? tough. Yeah. I mean, there isn't a glass ceiling. There's a menopause ceiling and they're just falling out of it. You can't work. Everything, the fear, the anxiety, the confidence, the it's a, it's a neurological change. It's but women not have to work, Nicola. So, uh, well, women. we have to work now, but we didn't always. And yeah. we had a choice. And, and that choice, we all got into the feminism go-go. Because when you're 30-something and you're a superpower and you're running three businesses and you have three kids and you're running for politics and you're doing it all, you genuinely can do it all. But nobody then warns you that there's been this silent thing that's been sitting there underneath the scene that all these people who were in Ireland, there was always a statistic to say Valium was issued to X amount of women over 50. And I always thought, God almighty, they can't all be going out of their minds. But actually, it's because menopause makes a neurological change in your brain. And once oestrogen, I used oestrogen to carry my memories and my thoughts and my language. And I lost it all. Lost it all. Couldn't speak. I had been basically for every five words, I lost three. So I wouldn't be able to tell you, you know, that's a bottle of water in front of Jerry there. I wouldn't have been. I said that thing with the, you know, the liquidy thing in it. Language was gone. It just left the building. I was like, literally, I went in for a brain scan and they were telling me a blood test was fine. There's nothing wrong with me. And eventually I put myself on HRT. And then during COVID, I took it back off after two years. And I have used a thing called uh, ashwagandha. I take it going to bed at night. It stopped the cortisol kicking off while I'm asleep. And I wake up fresh as a daisy, ready to go the next day. Much better. So I found a herbal. But I mean, there was no herbal. There was If there was no drugs, mm. I wouldn't have made it. And, uh, and all these women just think they're the problem. And it's not. So I know it's a left to field conversation, but yeah, it, we are strong. No, no, that's a very important conversation. And I know it's it's big in, in media circles. And thank God it's come out from the closet and been talked about more. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, malahide. Oh. Because time's going to be as we've got it. And have we got it? My I, home. I have an hour and a half. <laughs> but look, basically, you bought a house in the heart of Malahide. You yeah, moved so, to Malahide. So I've always lived in Malahide yes, since yes. I was married. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, and then I got divorced and I still lived in Malahide and I continued to live along the main road in Malahide. Yes. And then I met a new man and we decided we'd move into the village. He mm. doesn't drive. Mm. So I thought, great. So we moved into the village and uh, COVID came along and we we wouldn't have known any of our neighbours. You know, we moved in cold and uh, the house was the very original house in Malahide. It was the very first house in Malahide. It was the constable's barracks. Um, so it's a piece of historic property yes. in Malahide, right down the side of the church. And then COVID came along and then we had a little bit of trouble because out of nowhere, one day, all the businesses and the council got together and they all decided they were just closing the street. And that wasn't a problem. But like with everything else, there's consequences. So we kicked up a fuss and then over the road closure saying it's illegal, you can't just take a street. And in fairness, forget all that. So we're two years in. The road is still temporary road closure. And we are uh, now having to take our neighbours into court uh, being the pubs uh, into the licensing court because we've all sorts of consequences and I don't know it's because we're women and they just keep patting us on the head and telling us we're idiots um, but that's how it feels it feels very personal so um, we're out defending our, our neighbours and our friends and we're working as a community and it's us versus the state as far as I can see um, and it's been an eye opener um, so we're back in the licensing court next week it turns out there is no planning to allow any street licences onto the street unless there was already existing planning to be mm. on the street. So if you want to have a street licence, you should apply for planning for the change of use of your premises and the street out in front of your premises. And that requires then 
uh, you to let the public into the process, which is fair. And so if you're going to be put out by all this, you have a voice. Um, our voice has been taken. We've been completely ignored. Um, there's people like on board Panola made a ruling which was questionable at best, expiring a licence back in May, but not issuing it till October and then telling us that uh, Asher was COVID. It's all right. Let's be nice. And that is fair enough. Nobody really argued uh, with the COVID agenda, but it was more than COVID now. Now it's just a policy um, and now it's just public space theft, just blatant public space theft so that has disadvantaged the residents. Yes, that's what I'm going to say. Street. In summary, you that's your home and yes. your, your neighbour's home and you've no problem with businesses conducting no, their business whatsoever. But what they've tried to do, it would be fair to say, make a temple bar sort of thing out of your yes. street. That's basically yes. it. For so one, in other for, words... For one set of society. So the health centre, basically you get dropped off now and if you're in a wheelchair, you have to roll yourself down and back up to the taxi, which doesn't have a taxi because rank anymore. Because it's, it's pedestrianised. There's yeah. no traffic. There's no, no cars allowed on this Well, they aisle. let it on temporarily because it's yeah. a temporary road closure yeah, yeah. now. And there's a loophole in the law that allowed that. And you... Obviously, antisocial, late Oh, look, we, we, we've had, in Malahide, since I kicked off with this, with the neighbours, we've had the armed support unit, we've had guard dogs, we've had horses, we've had the armed support unit, and we've had the customs guys all out at the same time in Malahide. Um, because when the tone from the top is, you can't drink because you're not in a seat on the street, but I'm an adult and I can get into the seat in the street and I can drink. So the kids are kind of going, well, if he can drink... And, that's, and I can stand beside him and it's illegal, but he can sit there and do it. That doesn't make any sense. Like, you can't be going to the kid, well, I don't like the look of you, so you're a problem. I'm going to take that drink off you because I don't like the look of you. But it's all right for that old man to sit there getting pissed out of his head and then urinating on the neighbour's door as he leaves the street because, hey, he's an adult and that's what he's entitled to. So it's it's a mess. You're and it can be fixed. We can share it. Yeah. But like the continent, we just make rules. We stick to them tightly and we'll share the space. I wish you luck with your next uh, chapter of this. Nicola Barr. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining me. See you soon. We move on this afternoon and I'm joined by a woman who's been with me in the past. She's the lady lady behind and founder of Happier at Work and she's a brilliant Happy at Work podcast. And she's joining me today to talk about psychological safety in the workplace. I'm delighted to say hello again to Aoife O'Brien. Hi, Aoife. Hi, Jerry. It's a, it's absolutely brilliant to be back. Thanks so much for the invitation. Not at all. Great to have you with us. And, you know, work, Aoife, I don't have to remind you, forms a big part of our lives. You know, a, a third of every day and more is devoted to it. And more and more people back in the, the workplace, full time, uh, part time or whatever. You better explain this phrase to our listeners. What is psychological safety? Great question and a brilliant place to start. A friend of mine asked me about it the other day and I think with my background I always assume that people know what these things actually are. What psychological safety means really is that as an individual you feel that it's safe to speak up about what's going on at work so that you feel like you belong and that you feel that it's okay to challenge the status quo or share your ideas. And I suppose one of the the kind of big examples I have of a non-psychologically safe environment was thinking back to a time now, it's about eight years ago at this stage, back when I worked in corporate and uh, one of my peers, now this wasn't uh, someone who was my manager or anything like that. One of my peers said to me, that's not how we do things around here. 
And I just thought, wow, okay, so, you know, you can imagine how that made me feel. I didn't really want to share any more ideas after that, because apparently that's not how we do things around Mm. here. So that kind of gives you a sense of of what a psychologically safe environment is and, and isn't. So that person really was marking your card. There is a modus operandi here and you either uh, fall in line or fall out. This is it. This is it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So do things the way we do them and the way they've always been done, you know, and and you'll get on absolutely fine here. But it really hampers innovation and learning if if organizations and and like I say this wasn't someone who was a manager of mine this was someone who was a peer mm. who was telling me this so they they'd obviously built this culture where you you know this is the way we've always done things and therefore we're going to continue doing things this way you know i can empathize with that because i remember a time myself in my working career where i was battered in a way and i got a tap on the shoulder to say uh, you want to slow down there. We don't operate at that speed in here <laughs> and you're going to be showing everybody else up. Yeah. You know, the same yeah, thing, isn't yeah, it, yeah. Eva? Yeah. Absolutely. And if I think of an example now, Jerry, the last couple of times we've spoken, I've been to the studio in person and we've spoken on the phone as well. And now we're talking on Zoom. Mm. So like the, someone obviously came up with a new idea. So it's it's innovative. Do you know what I mean? So yes. someone came up with that idea and it was accepted by let's say the powers that be and they said that's a good idea let's let's go with that you know so it 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 if you come up with an idea and someone says no before it even reaches anyone who's who has the power to make a decision then it really hampers the the company's ability to to move on to move with the times yeah and psychologically you're you're pushed back immediately and you won't probably raise your head again when when this happens the other thing this is, is you, you're it, right yes. innovation it, it it stymies innovation the other thing is you know new uh faces ideas people coming in from different backgrounds see things that can be better and made better. Yeah, yeah. And I see a lot more of that happening and it, it, it's brilliant. So it previously, I think you used to see job ads and they would say something like, uh, you need X number of years of experience in this industry in order to be successful here. You know, that's kind of the, the in brackets part, let's say. Um, but I'm seeing more and more of e- even thinking about job ads where they're, they're looking for people with particular skills rather than a number of years of experience or without particular industry experience, because they know that if they take someone from a different industry, they'll bring different insights with them. They'll bring a different way of thinking. And when someone joins a team or when someone joins an organization and they can think differently and they can challenge how things are currently done, it brings about innovation. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that individual's ideas, but they may spark an idea in someone else who's who's a bit more familiar with the industry. And it kind of it goes on from there. Mm. So an unsafe then, just to summarise environment psychologically, is you can't speak up, you can't say what you think, you can't challenge, make a suggestion. That, that In a nutshell, that that's really sort of summarises it, doesn't it? That's it, it. Yeah, yeah. But but also you get that sense that you don't really belong. Yes. You know, it's yeah. like this, this is how we've always done things. And it's not okay to take risks. So, you know, again, going back to this idea of innovation in workplaces, it's when you take risks and when you can learn from making mistakes and failing. That's when that's how people, that's how individuals grow. But it's also how companies innovate is by making mistakes, by trying new things. Mm.
And, and of course, you you told the line, you you do, do what the boss says. So then, the opposite, a safe environment, I take it, is that you can speak up. Your boss values your suggestions, contributions. You trust and respect your colleagues. You, that inclusion thing, you feel included and okay yeah. to take risks. That's the safe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the safe bit, and you can depend on other people. And if they say. I'm going to do this or I'm going to send that across to you. You know that you can rely on them to do that as well because you have this safe environment where everyone trusts each other to do what they say they're going to do. Mm. So then there has to be benefits and a downside if it's not safe. That, that, that's, you've touched on some of them there. There are huge benefits to an environment that's safe. Absolutely. So it's this sense of, of belonging. And I think, you know, one one of the core parts of my business is fostering this sense of, of belonging at work because I've been in environments where I felt like I really, really belonged there and my contribution was valued. But I've also worked in environments where I haven't. So there's that sense of belonging. There's also this idea of innovation. So um, innovation for the organisation, but then learning for individuals as well and the opportunity to make mistakes in that safe environment environment, that it's okay if you make a mistake, it's okay if you mess something up, because it's seen as an opportunity to learn from that and to develop as a person. Um, You could also, you know, avoid things like groupthink. So when everyone thinks the same thing or when the boss puts forward a suggestion and everyone kind of is is a yes man, everyone goes (laughs) along with whatever the boss is saying. Yes. Because they're afraid to challenge that, even if there's a better way to do things, even if there's a different way, um, you know, things have have moved on slightly or they're coming from a different perspective or they want to make sure that that everyone feels included as well. I call it the nodding donkey syndrome. <laughs> That's it. Yes. That's my you just temper. Just go along. You just I, go along. But it's it's not interesting either. If you're in an environment where you're you're kind of sitting there and you're just doing what the boss says, you really you know, and, and something else I talk about is, is need satisfaction at work. You really don't feel that sense of autonomy, that you have a sense of choice and control over what you're doing and how you're doing it, because you're just going along with whatever it is that the boss is saying and you don't feel safe enough to speak up and to challenge that. So there are bosses listening to us today. I'm sure there are employees listening to us too. <laughs> and some say, that's exactly, that's 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 how I am. Or there are others saying, you know what, and we, I feel safe enough for where I work here. How do you turn this massive ship? If you have a psychologically unsafe working environment, and this is your, here's where you come in, uh, can the ship be turned and, and can it be turned round effectively? Absolutely, it can. And I, I just want to pick up on something you said there about the boss, because I listen to the, you know, I listen to the radio all the time and the poor bosses, I think, get an awful time. Mm. Um, not all bosses are, are really bad. I just yes. want to say that. Yes, but I yes. think we, we kind of use them almost as a scapegoat to say, oh, when the boss, the boss says this or what are you doing or what's the boss going to give you for Christmas and all of these kind of things. But uh, sometimes the poor bosses are actually <laughs> get, get a lot of flack. Um, but the but the kinds of things I think for me, the first step with any sort of problem is to acknowledge that there is a problem. So to recognize that if you're listening today and you think, uh, I think my team is psychologically unsafe, I don't feel like I belong or I don't feel like I can speak up and challenge things or I don't feel like if you are the boss, if you don't feel like your your team, your team members are sharing their ideas or if if things are a bit slow or they're just going along with whatever you say and not bringing their own ideas. I think, first of all, acknowledging that that it is an issue 
and speaking openly about it and saying that you want to address it. I think that's the first step for anything. The second one then is to be a role model. And being a role model of psychological safety means admitting to your own mistakes and your own shortcomings. So oftentimes a new boss, um, especially, they feel that they need to have all the answers. They feel like they need to know everything. And they're almost hiding the fact and and overcompensating for the fact that they don't have all the answers by trying to know everything. But you can't know everything. And I think admitting to your own shortcomings, admitting to your to places that you haven't really been successful in the past or or, or mistakes that you've made um, acting as a role model. And then the third kind of element of it, I suppose, is understanding that it's going to be a slow process. If you're in a team that is psychologically unsafe, it's not going to turn around overnight. You're not going to walk into a team meeting and decide, um, I I, I want to talk about psychological safety and I don't think we have that in the team and let's turn it around. It's going to be a slow process. It's going to take a while to do it and you're going to have to get really out of your comfort zone if you are the manager in order to drive that around and you need to be vulnerable and you need to be be steering that change until people feel safe enough to speak up. Um, But part and parcel of that entire process is rewarding and recognizing other people for doing it. So when someone makes a mistake, it's not about reprimanding them. It's about using the using it as an example of how we can learn as a team. So um, Neve tried this the other day and while it didn't actually work, here's what we learned from the experience. And that will encourage other people then to, to try new things and to make new suggestions. So knowing that it's you're going to be celebrated, you're going to be rewarded and recognised for trying out new things or for speaking up and challenging the status quo, I think it's really important to reinforce that it's OK, that it's OK to share here, that it's OK to create this, um, you know, to create this kind of environment. And listening to you there and all you say everything valid and the biggest challenge I think for the boss and the let's say the culture of the company is convincing people who've lived in an unsafe you know psychological environment for a long time that it is going to change and to get them to buy into that because I've been I've seen this practically the cynicism they say ah you know yourself it'll be back to normal shortly you know what I'm getting at yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this is just more psychobabble or this is just more. Yes. You know, that's not going to work here. This is the way we've always done it and let's keep doing it. And I think for me, you know, it's about addressing those issues on an individual basis, having a chat with the individuals, especially if they're causing that type of disruption publicly within the team. You know, they're the people who are going to bring it down. They're the people who are going to stop it being psychologically safe and, you know, try and First of all, turn those around into your cheerleaders if you can do that. And if you can't, maybe it's time that the like the culture of the organization has perhaps moved on from that type of attitude, from that type of person. And will they feel like they belong in that organization? And how long will they stay if they feel like they're not necessarily being heard anymore? And the thing is, it's quite obvious to so many to so to you as a, a professional and when you go in and work in this area, and I can see it too, the benefits, just to come back to that again, and everybody, if you're listening to us today, you should be able to speak up in your workplace. You should yeah, have yeah. your opinions uh, listened to. You shouldn't be afraid, you know, to uh, break out of the, the, the norm or whatever and, 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 and offer what you, you really feel. Isn't that the message? That's absolutely the message, that if you... 
if you feel like you are in the kind of environment where you can't actually speak up, then, you know, you really need to question whether or not you want to stay in that environment. And and I suppose the other message from me is you always have a choice in that situation. And sometimes people feel like they, they don't have a choice or they feel like they're stuck. Even if you shift your thinking to I'm choosing to stay here because I need to support my family, I'm choosing to stay here. Even that mindset shift will help you to accept the circumstances that you're in. But, you know, there's there's lots of opportunities out there if you're looking to to change jobs, if you're looking for something else, you know, get the help that you need and, and try and make it happen is what I would say. They're good, really important words to ponder. If you're not happy, and, and, and the point you make there is true, people worry, you know, where am I going to get another job? How am I going to support my family? How am I going to pay the rent, buy the food, pay the electricity bill, all that? And it's more in play yeah. now than ever. But I think exactly. at the end of the day, to be honest with you, Aoife, if you're in an environment that is toxic and you can't and you have to keep your head down, it really isn't it worth looking at a move. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially now, um, you know, I think there there are opportunities out there. I think so many people have had time to reflect over the pandemic and there there I've seen so many announcements on LinkedIn, various people shifting jobs who I never thought would would uh, move from where they are. So it's about really understanding, like, what is what is it that I really want? And I think, Jerry, going back to your point at the very start, we spend so much of our time at work mm. and it sort of leaks into every aspect of our lives. Yes. So if you're miserable at work, it's likely that you're miserable at home, that you're bringing that misery into the relationships, the personal relationships that you have in your life. You know, it impacts on, on so many different aspects of our life if we're not happy at work. Thank you so much. Always enjoy our conversations and another very important topic today. Happieratwork.ie and check out the podcast to Aoife till the next time. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Jerry. Take care. Bye bye. That's Aoife O'Brien there. Lady Gaga on your late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Of course, another of my former artists of the week on the show. Will you be watching, Louise? I mentioned at the top of the show. Do you watch The Crown? Did you watch any of The Crown at all? No, the series? none of them. None of it. Oh, terrific. Love it. Love it. Season five out tonight. It's just going to blow. It's the- just based loosely, isn't it, on the whole royal yes, story? Yes, yes. And I'd say this one will be close to the bone. You know what I mean? Especially after the recent death of the Queen. And, you know, it is modern times with Diana, etc. involved. Be huge numbers watching. And as I said, there'll probably be people staying up all night watching. I was actually watching a different one last night that my son Jared recommended to me for, for sports fans out there. I don't know whether you've been watching it. Welcome to Wrexham, it's called. Will that appeal to you, Louise? Welcome no, to Wrexham. It's not a great name, is it? <laughs> it's about Wrexham Football Club and two uh, big stars from the USA who didn't know each other have bought Wrexham Football oh. Club in England. <laughs> and uh, Louise... Sounds like cold enough to be sorry. It's just great. It, it, and would you binge watch I watched four of them last oh. night. Four in a row. I started watching I'm going to watch the whole lot through. The The club was just, it's in the doldrums, out of the football league and non-league really. And, uh, you know, they had a, a, an interesting tradition. Wales used to play in their ground, the race course ground. Uh, but these two guys bought it. And geez, you want to watch it. <laughs> it reminds you of the League of Ireland here and all the shenanigans that goes on there. It's just great, so it is. But that's just another so one I just the only thing you've ever binge watched on, on Netflix? Uh 
Oh no! Oh no! Uh, uh, definitely the the uh, the crown. Right. Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, uh, Sunderland till I die. I believe there's a new series coming back again. Uh, fly in the wall in on a, in the background of a soccer club. I I watched another one. What's the name of it? Um, oh, what a series! I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, Babylon Berlin. Oh, you've watched a lot. Babylon Berlin. If you get a chance to watch that, it's brilliant. I've only too. ever watched a whole series in Netflix. I normally just lose interest after the first few episodes. Right. And it was Stay Close with Kush Jumbo and I binged watch the whole six or seven episodes. Was it worth it? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Right to the last literally two minutes you go, oh my gosh. And then it's like, oh wow, did not see that coming. Yeah. Brilliant. What's the name of it again? Stay Close. Stay Close, folks. Mm. Recommended by R. Louise. Babylon Berlin is something else. It really is too. Uh, Paddy Goodwin recommended that one to me and I'll tell you how much I remember. <laughs> Looked at the clock. It was 5am one morning and I was still watching Oh, wow. <laughs> just went, I've never been that Oh, bad. my God. It was just, they were hour long. I think they were fantastic. It was it was unmissable, to be honest with you. I think, though, now, I must say, I was off, it was around Christmas time or something. You know what I mean? I was off on a break on that and I, I wouldn't do it when I was working. But, uh, yeah, the crown is back this evening, of course, and everybody will, who's fans of it, will be tuned. And more besides, it'll have a bigger audience because of the Queen dying, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure recently. Anyway, up next on Late Lunch, we're heading to Zanzibar. Well, not really, but we're talking about Zanzibar. Stay with us. I'll say hello to Gavin O'Connor from Ashbourne in County Meath, who's on the line. Hi, Gavin. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good, but I have a question for you. Could, yeah. you, could you not find a premises nearer to Ashbourne? Ah, uh, no. We're going to live in paradise. This is <laughs> tropical islands near the, on the Indian Ocean. <laughs> So the story is, this is amazing, that you are part of a conglomerate who three weeks ago opened a pub in the wonderful Zanzibar off the coast of Tanzania. Yeah, I know. I I still can't believe it. How did this happen? This is an amazing story. Yeah, um, so my friend was actually over there teaching the Tanzanians how to play rugby and just went over to Zanzibar, fell in love with it. Um, got talking to some ex- expats and uh, it just literally fell on his lap one day. He rang me up. I probably thought about it for maybe two seconds and said, yes, let's go for it. <laughs> so how many of you are involved? So there's actually four of us. Uh, three from uh, Ireland and then one from uh, one girl from Australia. Like, And how is she involved? Is she a friend of yours? Or? Yeah, yeah. So we travelled around Australia um so, like, all three of us have travelled around. We're well-travelled now at this stage. And uh, she's uh, going out with one of my friends. And then just, yeah, just she was in for it as well. Like, so, the four of us are all out. <laughs> this this amazes me. It's great. Yeah. And, and tell us this. How did you acquire the premises, or in a practical sense? How did that happen? So, um, it was a, actually a Swiss expat who owned a hotel and a bar over there. And he just got sick of running boat with him, especially after COVID. He's in his, uh, he's an elderly man, like so. Um, so my, he just said it's my friends in the bar in a bar one day. He was like, "Are you ever interested in opening a bar one day?" Like, and uh, yeah, just that's how it all came into place. And uh, my friend, he's over there at the moment. He's actually with a girl from Zanzibar as well. Like, so it makes it a lot easier. There you are. There's a pub for you. There's a way you go. And yeah. good luck to you and, yeah. and, and get going. So you opened three weeks ago. What's the name of it? Uh, Swinging Mickey's. <laughs> <laughs> Swing on boy for a point. 
<laughs> Say that again. Swinging Mickeys and what's the strap line? Yeah, swing on boy for a point. <laughs> well, I'll tell I'll tell you one thing for sure. It is a catchy name. I hand yeah. it to you. Do the locals get it? I wonder. I know, but it's an Irish thing, so it's just it's just for us. So it is an Irish bar in Zanzibar. Is it yeah. the first Irish bar there? Yeah, first one ever. Really? So yeah, we're just we're pretty proud of it now to have it first one there, and like. And you should see it. It's like tropical oil and baby blue water. Like it's just. Uh, oh, Gavin! I yeah, have to say, yeah. baby blue water. We know yeah. water, but it's not baby yeah, blue in no, this country. Definitely not. No. Like yeah, and For like sure. there's only two seasons there: dry and wet. That's so, it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, your like season here all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're hoping it's going to be a wet season in that uh, swinging Mickey's bar all yeah, of the time yeah. as people drink in, in the yeah. place. What's it been like? First of all, I have to ask you this: Are one of you four out there at the minute running it, or who's yeah, looking after? Yeah, it? yeah. Philip Walsh is out there now at the moment, so he's he's on the ground and he's getting it all going. And now we're actually hoping to have the first St. Patrick's Parade over there now next year, like to hopefully bring like the Irish community maybe in Africa together, like so. We're in the process of trying to work in that at the moment, so appeal for that now as well. And you're also with me today. You want to make an appeal for GAA jerseys, yes? Yeah. So we actually have a, an idea of just putting up all the GAA jerseys, like Irish soccer jerseys, Irish rugby jerseys, any jersey like that, and just stick them all over the bar. If people wanted to write on them as well, wishing us luck, it'd be great. If they don't, it's up to them. Like we're just going to stick them all over the, on, on the roof of the bar, like. It'll be just like something like really Irish, like. So today, folks, if you're out there and soccer, rugby, GAA, especially if you yeah. have jerseys and you want them displayed in Zanzibar in this bar, well, the man himself wants to hear from you, and we'll give you details in a few moments. How's it been going? What's the reaction of the locals the first few weeks to it? Yeah, it's going pretty good now. Like you know, and um, we've had a bit of live music there now, like the local live music, and they're just just in the just kept them going and we've got a restaurant there as well like so we're trying to put an Irish twist to the tropical food as well like mm, so yeah. uh, bacon and cabbage in Zanzibar <laughs> in Tanzania with white sauce and new potatoes <laughs> oh man. yeah but a lovely bit of tuna a lovely fresh <laughs> there as well like I love it. I'm just getting a picture of it that it is beautiful how you describe it. You know yeah. the place is. So yeah. you you like the Maldives there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. The Indian Ocean. What a what yeah. a place indeed. Yeah. So your aim is to have the first St Patrick's Day parade and festival out there. The jerseys you want to decorate the place. What are you stocking? Have you have you have you the black stuff there? No, it's it's hard to work with people over there. They they don't really work like us over here. So uh, the Asia are very easy going like so uh, they have it on the main and about trying to get it over to Zanzibar has just been a, a bit of a problem. But we're in the process of getting it there. Hopefully for St. Patrick's Day it will be flowing. But Jameson now is uh, on to be there now as well. So Okay, so you have Jamie there and yeah. uh, yeah, Arthur. as well. Oh, great. And <laughs> Arthur is on the way. That's very yeah. important because uh, yeah. it's a very popular drink in that oh, neck yeah, of the woods. Yeah. It certainly yeah. is. So what's your plans? When are you hoping to get out there? I'm going to be going over there for um, probably maybe a month now in March. Yeah. Um, and then come back here for the summertime because uh, I actually work for myself in Ireland. So, and then go back there for the winter and try to live there for the winter and come back to Ireland for the summer. That'll it, be the plan. 
You gone up the dream. You have it sussed out, young Gavin O'Connor. You really have. The other thing is, temperature wise, what's it like there at the minute? Really warm, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's getting warm now. It's like thirties, <gasps> thirty five. Oh. Like, like you know, nice and toasty. Like they go down there, a couple of cocktails on the beach, then back to swinging beaches for a few points. Is it true there's no windows in the place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really have windows because just the it's not weather. It's just all bars on the uh, windows, like so. You don't really get rain there. Yeah, so windows are, are not an option, and, and the yeah. heat and everything that that goes goes yeah, along with it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, well, well. This is a story and a half. Uh, three. Uh, so there's one uh, girl from uh, Australia and one from Dublin. Uh, a, a lad and two lads for me. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Two Ashburn lads. Yeah. So there you go. So that's a nice combination there. Yeah, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. The UN nations. Of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, Gavin, this could be the start of perhaps multiple interests in that neck of the woods. Could it? Yeah. You know, if it yeah, goes well, well for you. Yeah, definitely. Zanzibar is a really up and coming place now at the moment for uh, all the all the destinations. So you never mm. know where this could land. Like you know, mm, I can see Maybe this. Like it's a shock out there for St. Patrick's Day. Are the president? Well, I think you have a great chance with Mickey D for sure because that man, <laughs> that man loves to travel. Yeah, and he, yeah. and of course, Mickey D and swinging Mickey's. I know. Yeah. Huh? yeah. What about it? Yeah, I can just to, I can see the headlines flashing know, all around yeah. the world. I booked book the flight for him now then, will I? <laughs> and of course we don't mean any disrespect to our president. We love no, him, we love him to bits. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say he's the most likely I'm just thinking Leo's gonna back into the main job now and Mihal stepping aside, you know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. uh, uh, I think the president might be our best uh, modus operandi. <laughs> And line of attack. I love this. I really do. And, uh, you know, well done to you. And you have something now in your life that's special. And all of you, all four of you, you yeah, know, and yeah, good oh, luck to you lovely. with it. Yeah, good luck oh, to you, you with so it. Much. Thank you so much for joining us today and telling your story. Oh, thank you. Take yeah. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Gavin O'Connor there from Swinging Mickey's in Zanzibar. What did he say? Swing along for a drink or a pint or something, something like that. Anyway, well, 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 the world, it never ceases to amaze me and <laughs> how would you ever put Ashbourne and Zanzibar together but there you go these things happen it is a small world late lunch LMFM radio 086-1800-658 by whatsapp or text late lunch listeners you're fantastic I you don't know how much I love you anyway you help me so much on this show every day Jerry listener listener message from listener I just checked out Jerry it's there now the crown It'll be on my TV at six this evening. And as soon as the PHS are on and and I've nothing to do tomorrow, I'm going to watch it. And I'm so excited, says a listener. So there you are, the crown imminent there. And a listener just going to binge on it as soon as at six o'clock this evening on that person's TV. So it is uh, almost there and enjoy. Jerry, so enjoyed the chat there, says a listener. Is there any jobs going in that pub? (laughs) There you are, Gavin. You've an offer of an employee listening to us today that's ready to go out to Zanzibar and work for you out there. Billy Joel has a song called Zanzibar. I'm sure he has. And Louise thinks there's... She, you think there's an ice cream or something, is there? Called or a bar of chocolate called Zanzibar. There's definitely something that was called Zanzibar. Whether it that was an eat? ice cream or chocolate or... No, it wasn't a bag of crisps. It was either chocolate bar or an ice cream called Zanzibar. Definitely. 
I can't find it though. Don't remember that at all. Do Anyone not. remember an ice cream or anything that you eat in a tin or on a stick? Definitely something or in your freezer or uh, anywhere that called Zanzibar. Anybody out there remember anything? Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight. Definitely Billy Joel has a song Zanzibar. It's a good one as well on one of his albums. It'll be renamed Swinging Mickey's now. <laughs> <laughs> Billy will re-record it, yeah, for sure. Now, what's going on with the traffic lights? What is going on? I have to ask the question. What has gone wrong? How's traffic in your area? Nicola Burner was with me earlier on, says she was on the M50 yesterday and it's just like a car park. Well, I can tell you, in our neck of the woods here, and I'm a bit, a bit parochial here at the moment, and I, I apologise if, if it doesn't resonate with you, but perhaps you have your own traffic situation wherever you are and you let us know. But here where we are in LMFM on the south side of Drogheda, I live on the north side. I'll just tell you that coming to the studio, when traffic is moving along, it probably takes me about eight, nine minutes. But to go home from work these evenings, Louise, this is no exaggeration. Mm-hmm. It's taking now, I'd say, at least 20 minutes on a good evening, probably half an hour most evenings. If you go the main artery routes at Mullen Road, uh, if you go across and want to go down, you're going out of your way as well to go to Noor Road. I'm actually going out to Oldbridge now. And right around the north side of Drogheda to get back home because I'm driving all the time. But Louise, I want to... It takes me about 20 minutes to get from here, at least to to pick up my kids outside uh, the college. Yeah, at least. It's at least 20, but it's more at other times. You can make a sprint for it. I'm a little bit later and it's, it's definitely minimum 20 up to 30, 35. And it's just been something, isn't it, that's happened, what would we say, the last six weeks, five, six weeks or so? Maybe oh, around not that. even. Definitely Less, four or five. Four or five I, weeks. There was roadworks, wasn't yes. there, Jerry? And so after well, the roadworks. we understand that. We understand when there's roadworks and jobs mm. done. But when somebody meddles with the traffic lights and creates chaos, well, I ain't happy about it because, Louise, mm. that's what's happened. Somebody has meddled with the sequence of the traffic lights at the junction of George Street, Fair Street and the Fair Green and the junction of Trinity Street, George Street and West Street at the start of that crazy, stupid bridge with the awful bend in it. Uh, <laughs> that's nothing like it in the world that the brains of the nation put in place one time many moons ago and still haven't sorted it out. Uh, somebody has meddled with the sequence of the traffic lights and they've just, well done to you, whoever you are, well done to you. You've just created havoc for me, Louise, and lo- I hear everybody talking about it. It's an absolute disgrace what you've done. You've wrecked the travel times. You've caused consternation, anger, you name it, among thousands of people. Will somebody please revisit those traffic lights and check the sequencing soon? Soon, please. Not in a month's time as we head for Christmas. Soon. You've put a question into Loud County Council. Do the County Council look after the sequencing of the lights, is it? Well, they've passed on to the relevant authorities. The question we've posed on all your behalves, we put it in this morning, we're so frustrated, to Loud County Council. And we would like a reply on it. But a dog with a hammer in his you-know-where would understand that the sequencing of the lights is the huge problem. Somebody has just caused consternation. 
How does somebody do that, Louise? Or, you know, does nobody... Do they just have a little bit of fun and change you know, the times? No, but you think they'd sequence it maybe for a short time to see how it works and obviously it's not working, so you think they'd Yeah, it's back. not working. It's not working. It's chaos. You've created chaos. You really have. Congratulations to you. Well done. Please change them back. Please. I have to work with him. <laughs> please, please change them back. <laughs> <laughs> she does, and you see, look, you see, look at look at the blood pressure. Look at the blood pressure here. Look at the blood pressure. You I gone very say red. it again. I say it again, and I'll continue to say it. This great little country of ours, Bob Geldof, is still true today. It's pretty we're not playing it. It's a banana republic on many many fronts. It really is. Anyway, love this one, and my blood pressure's coming down. It's Wilson Phillips into news, weather, and sport at three on your late lunch. Hold on, we can't hold on for the lights. Thank you for all your comments to the show. Hi, Jerry. Traffic in Drogheda is pathetic. Bad enough paying a toll to get into town, but trying to get out of it at certain times. No planning whatsoever with ongoing expansions, expansion of houses in every direction. I'm all for progress, but let's have a little planning. That comes in from Jackie this afternoon. Thanks indeed. Jerry. thank you so much for highlighting the traffic. I live on Rathmullen Road and from 2.30 till 7pm every day recently, the road is chock-a-block, right back up to where you are, to the junction. You are so right. Please, please sort it out, whoever is responsible for it. Thank you indeed. We've posed the question. We are waiting for a reply from the council to see what they have to say. But somebody has messed up. That is for sure. Shame on you, Jerry. Oh, my God, I'm being scolded. You should be walking and leave your car at home along with its fumes. Give me a shout and we'll walk up here together wherever you are. Jerry. I'm here laughing me head off to somebody else. My husband actually sings in a band called, guess what, Jerry? Guess what they're called? The Swinging Mickeys for the last four years, says Babs. That's going back to that pub in Zamzibar we were talking about earlier. And somebody else says, Jerry, you know, there's a swinging diddy pub in Killani and Carrick McCross. Is there really? There you are. You learn something every day of note on this show. Louise <laughs> Zanzibar. <laughs> It's marzipan, says Sean. Sean says Zanzibar. We asked, was it a type of food or something like that? Sean is adamant that there is a a product called Zanzibar, which is marzipan. I have. I think maybe he thinks I'm mixing it up for marzipan. Does he? Go on. I found it. I found it. I've gone through everything, and I found an old HB ice cream poster, and there's a picture of Zanzibar ice cream, and it was forty p. Forty p. Yeah. Yeah. It's cheap. Very, very cheap. But I'm just, I just feel vindicated. <laughs> and what does it consist of? Um, it doesn't show. It just shows um, on the inside is kind of like white chocolate and a dark chocolate. Milk chocolate and, and white chocolate in a kind of a, a milk chocolate casing. And it's in a kind of a very beige wrapper with um, yellow writing, kind of like an oriental style and Zanzibar is written on it. Um I feel psychologically safe at work today. We were talking about earlier on that I can <laughs> say to you as a, 
someone who has a doctorate in biology, <clears throat> you're talking about a chalk ice. I'm not. I'm not. I'll take a you're talking about you. a chalk ice. Will I'm you? Not. It's beside the chalk ice. Where's the? Where, where, hold on. Where's the spec savers ad? Should have gone to spec savers. <laughs> it's a chalk ice. You describe. You're out of describing a chalk ice there for us. Everybody's listening. And knows. No, no, no. This is this is white and milk chocolate inside the chocolate, and there's no stick on this. It's a it's a chalk ice that somebody took out of the freezer, <laughs> melted slightly and put it back in and the chocolate ran through the ice cream. I hope it takes you half an hour to get home tonight. <laughs> bah, oh, the, the, I've shown the, it to you. I'm the, dragging the, in here the now. The compliments have been traded here today for sure. Anyway, <laughs> it's time on late lunch for this. <laughs> the Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week Gotta compose myself here <clears throat> Anyone got a helicopter can get me home this evening I'll leave the car here and that'll satisfy that person who wants me to walk Anyway, Shania Twain is my Artist of the Week and her second album, The Woman in Me uh, spawned a raft of hit singles and sold in excess, listen to this of 12 million copies It was also named Country Music Album of the Year in the States at the Grammy Awards with Shania herself named Best New Female Vocalist by the Academy of Country Music. Our star was in the ascendancy. In 1997 our next album, Come On Over saw her make the mainstream music crossover from being purely country. Song after song on that album charted with the album reaching number two in the US album charts and listen to this, remaining there on those charts for the next two years and going on to sell 40 million copies around the world, making it the biggest selling album by a female artist of all time. At that stage, it was, of course. That album sustained her at the top for almost five years until the next album appeared. It was called Up, and that was 2002. It was highly successful on both sides of the Atlantic before a greatest hits album followed in 2004. However, a hiatus she would take at that stage as she divorced her producer husband Robert Mutt Lang and took a break to care for their son Asia. It would be 2011 before Shania re-emerged on the music scene as she attempted to reboot her career more and on but for today's song was written by Shania while attending a soccer match in Italy God it must have been a terrible boring draw From this Life has begun from this moment You are the one right beside you Is where I belong from this moment on Oh, Simply Beautiful, Miss Shania Twain, my Artist of the Week and a beautiful, beautiful song uh, this afternoon. Good afternoon uh, to you, Jerry, and all at LMFM. Just want to let you know that it's taken me 20 minutes to get from Lidl in Navin to the Mercy Convent, and I'm still not at the convent in the car listening. Hello. Hello to you today. 
and I'm sorry for your trouble. So it's not just Drogheda. I know that. And that's what we said. If you have traffic problems anywhere across the northeast, let us know. It's everywhere. That comes from Tina out shopping today. Thank you so much for getting in touch with us on the show. I really do appreciate it. Um, there's another one. I live on the Ballamakenny Road. <laughs> so do I. And stopped going to Drogheda. I go to Dundalk now instead. They're digging outside Ballamakenny College for the fourth time this year. They're saying to spend money locally. Plenty of northern cars on the building sites around Ballamakenny Road. There mustn't be any builders in the Republic. That comes in from a Drogheda shopper today. Imagine on the north side Drogheda and heading for the... It's easier. It's easier to go. It is. I know what you're saying. It's horrendous. It is just horrendous. And there is no vision or planning. They're building houses by the new time with no roads, no way in or out. Will they ever learn? I don't know. When they were handing out the brains... Where did they go? Late Lunch LMFM Radio back in a moment and it's Strictly Dancing. St. Feckin's GAA Club know how to teach football, especially to the younger people. Sure, they've been so successful this year. Now they're turning their hands to dancing. Yes, the classes are starting this very evening in St. Feckin's. So if you want to give yourself a shot at appearing on Strictly in the future, it's all happening at St. Feckin's because there's jiving, line dancing, foxtrot and much more besides. And to tell me more, I'm joined by Patricia Brady. But first, Jimmy Kerwin. Hi, Jimmy. What's the story? Yes, I was just laughing earlier when I heard you talking about, about the traffic lights and your blood pressure going up. And I says, we have the right tonic for Jerry Kelly. <laughs> and it's all happening. We're all roads are leading to St. Fackens tonight. The brand new community centre that's out there at Beauty. Um, we looked at the, at the options, Jerry, over the last weeks uh, with the chairman of St. Fackens Club, John McAvoy, and John suggested that we look at social dancing, uh, try to revive it a little bit uh, in the south of the county, very popular around other areas, Jerry, and other clubs and other community centres. But we said, look, let's maybe run with dance lessons or dance uh, tuition or jiving and line dancing. So we we have a great couple booked, Patricia and Pat. I know we'll be talking to Patricia uh, later on. Um, so we've said we'll give her a run maybe for the next six weeks, Jerry, from uh, Wednesday night from 8 to 10. It's only 10 euros at the door. I'm sure what better fun and exercise can anybody have? Get them, get them off the couch, away from that box in the corner and come down to St. Fackens tonight. And no phones allowed. Get them to switch off their phones. Are you listening to me now, Jimmy? <laughs> Absolutely, Jerry. <laughs> phones and, and, and social media platforms and sites. Come out, enjoy the line dancing, jiving. It doesn't matter whether you're nine or 90. It's for everybody. Bring friends, even your granny, if you can get convinced her to come out for an hour. She'll enjoy every minute of it. And you have a wonderful big hall there and facility. There's loads of room for everybody. Let's talk to Patricia Brady, who will be putting people through their paces this evening and for the next number of weeks. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Jerry. How are you? And hello, Jimmy. Good. Hi, Patricia. Now, Patricia, tell us a bit more about you and Pat and what you do and how long you're at this game. Um, I, we teach social dancing, which is jive, waltz, foxtrot, quick step, and a bit of line dancing. Um, I'm teaching. We teach for about seven years now, all over Dublin, and I teach in Kildare as well. So I have classes every night, and it's a great social night out. And mm. it's it's not just a dance class; it's where people meet, they mix, they make friends, 
And then they can meet up later on and go to a dance as a group of people rather than a lot of people on their own. Mm. And it's also great because you have young and old, as Jimmy said, and everybody mixes together. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 fantastic. Um, social night. You should come along yourself, Jerry. Now and we'll, we'll show you a few. Well, things. only for Wednesday nights is my <laughs> Wednesday club that I haven't missed since I played football. I'd be with you, but Wednesday is just happens to be here for me. But I'd love to, and I know there will be lots of people going along. So listen, tell me this: when you talk about the jive, line dancing, foxtrot, the very distinct dances, as I know from uh, being a big fan of Strictly Come Dancing, um. How do you manage that? Do you take each dance in turn or do you dedicate a night to a particular dance? No, the way we work it is we, we might do three dances tonight and some line dancing. Okay. We probably do the waltz, your jive, your foxtrot and a little bit of line dancing thrown in. It's a two-hour class. Okay. It's great fun and fitness, so it's not serious. It's not for competition. It's just to get out, be able to get up on a dance floor. If you go dancing with some fantastic bands, especially up your direction. And if you want to go out dancing on a night, to be able to get up on the floor and do some dancing. So it's not ballroom, so it's easier steps. Like yes. ballroom is beautiful, mm. um, but it's very specific and mm. sometimes a lot of steps in it. So this is an easier version. It's it's social and it's a lot more fun. It's, it's great fun. If I have two left feet, am I still welcome? Oh, definitely, definitely. We've had a lot of people that tell me they've two left feet and they always go leave dancing. Right. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you have no No. previous experience or whether you're sort of someone who danced and went away from it or you can do a few steps. Everybody welcome of all ages. And it's happening tonight in St. Fagans. What time, Jimmy? Uh, starting at 8, eight o'clock, 8 to 10, over a two-hour period, uh, each Wednesday night, Jerry. Uh, as we say, said earlier, St. Fekins are going country. It's, it's a big banner we have up there at the community <laughs> centre. And, 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 and as we often say, there's an adage in country music and in life. Yes. Uh, we say, keep dancing until the music stops. Ah, listen, keep dancing. I love that because it just reminds me of Saturday night on the BBC and Strictly every week. I wouldn't miss it. Our house are big fans wish you well Renee. thank you both for joining me thanks Jerry. take care bye Bye, Patricia bye Jimmy that's Jimmy Kerwin there uh, from St Feckins and Patricia Brady Uh, good luck to them and everyone welcome pay at the door 8 o'clock at 10 or a snip at the price tomorrow on late lunch Keith Sheeran is joining me lovely man and what a story he's talking about the balance between work and family Kwon Ji Chan his new book called Walk has just been published can't wait to uh, talk to him tomorrow on the show and Jonathan Doherty a real survivor tells us his story Artist of the Week and more beside All We Need Is You tomorrow afternoon from 1.30 Have a lovely midweek Wednesday Stay with us here on LMFM Radio Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive 1.30 tomorrow Thursday You be there See ya LMFM Podcasts With CNC Carpets we bring the showroom to you or book a new showroom appointment on 087 660 4237 Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.